0: One of the things that I find that as I read scripture that there are just certain verses that it's like a spiritual highlighter goes across that verse. And a verse just kind of jumps off the page to me. And so in my scripture reading that takes place and sometimes even in my, in my, in my message preparation that takes place. And as we were going through Christmas, I I knew that we were coming to the story of Mary. And when we were coming into that story and into that experience, all of a sudden, the first line of Mary's song just started jumping out to me. And I started thinking about it all the time. I want to remind you what it was. And Mary said, my soul... Magnifies the Lord. And, and as I was thinking about this new year, and as I was thinking about my life, this verse just kept coming to my mind over and over again. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know, I I've read that part of scripture many times, and I've kind of overlooked that because there's cool stuff after it. But this idea of magnifying the Lord is a really interesting thought. And so over the last week, I have been just studying a lot about what it means to magnify the Lord. Now, there are some things it doesn't mean. Okay, We don't need to make, magnify the Lord because he's little and we need to make him bigger. Okay, We don't need to do that. It, this is in the, a telescope scope. Kind of experience where you look into the telescope and you look down. I mean, I, I get to admit, I mean, what's the other kind of scope? Microscope. It's not like a microscope where you look down and go, oh, there's God. I never knew he was there. He's just so little. He's such a cute little cell. We, that's not what we're doing. Instead, we're dealing much more in the telescopic kind of idea. You know, the Hubble telescope, I don't know if you've ever taken the time just to look at the beautiful pictures of the heaven and the earth that it has drawn closer to us that we've never seen before. You know, the, the pictures of a star being born. The picture of just the, the beauty of creation. You know, we're fortunate here because there's less light pollution at night that occasionally you can look up on a non-cloudy day and you can look up and you can see the, the, the expanse of heaven. And if you take the time and you're patient, it multiplies, doesn't it? At first you just see a couple stars, but then you see more and more stars. But the Hubble telescope has been able to have a zoom in on this beautiful glory that's out in the world. Mary was saying that because of what God was doing, that her life God, to magnify my soul, my life, gets to magnify God's glory. Through me, we're seeing a greater glory of God than existed before. Think about that. When we look at the pie chart of what God did in this church in the last year to raise $75,000, and I want you to, to give you a concept of what that is. That is almost half of our annual budget. Okay? Almost half of our annual budget through giving and selling vans and having garage sales and all different kinds of things. We raised another third of our budget. Almost half of our budget again this last year. And what it doesn't show isn't our greatness. It shows the greatness of God. All of a sudden it is magnified because he took 60 plus people and did something absolutely amazing. And and, and I think that that's what I want for us this year. I want this idea that somehow as people look at each one of our lives and as they look collectively together as God's people, that we have magnified the greatness and the absolute awesomeness of our God. That somehow by what we collectively do together. In fact, there's a verse, and we're going to take a look at it in a second. In in Psalm chapter 34, verse 3, it says, David gives this invitation, and this is my invitation to you today. He says, come, let us magnify God together. So here's my thought for the year. My thought for the year is we're going to magnify the Lord together. That that's that's what I want to see happen in this new year. That's the thing that I want to see take place is I want to see God in a way that He has never done it before, in a way that will be surprising and wonderful and glorious to all of us, that in some ways this year, in your individual lives, but even more importantly, us as a church, we get to experience the wow. Look what God can do, moments that only can do. And when I think about this idea of what it means to magnify the Lord, what David says in the around the invitation of Psalm 34 gives us a great, I think it, it gives us a great example of all of what it means to magnify the Lord. The first idea is. That we need to do to magnify the Lord is we need to speak it. We've got to express it. We've got to express the greatness of God. We've got to express not only that, we've got to express what he's done in our history, what he's doing in our present, and we what we expect him to do in our future. We've got to put God's signature, God's moniker on everything. Your life, if the title of your life is going to roll, and and it shows everything that's going on, executive producer of your life should be God. Okay? Director of your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that, that this psalm challenges us to do is it challenges us to express how we feel And what we see in God's incredible glory. Let's read it together. Psalm 34, starting at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't say, I will bless the Lord on Sundays. It doesn't say, I will bless the Lord every other Thursday." It says that I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, I, I think that one of the things that I've, I've said it before, but I think that sometimes we've got to create lists. Why do I bless the Lord? And we've got to remind ourselves, you know, that was the greatest problem with the nation of Israel, is that they would forget God's blessing. You know? God would part the Red Sea and they could get across it. And then they'd be upset because they were eating the same thing every day. Even though it was manna from heaven. So God's like, he goes, you want meat? I'll give you meat. It says that he gave them so much quail that was more than they could ever eat. But we need to bless the Lord at time. Uh, His praise should be continually in my mouth. I was talking to someone just recently, and they're in the lives of someone that is never satisfied and is always grumpy. You know? I hope that person's not a believer. We have got to learn to say, God, you've got to help me have an attitude. And some of us struggle with that. I've told you before that that when I read the biography of Billy Graham and found out that his nickname with his family was Puddlegum, I was blown away by that. Because Puddlegum in The Lord of the Rings is the same character as Eeyore would be in Winnie the Pooh. Puddlegum was always seeing everything negatively. There was always a problem. Something wasn't right. But do you ever think of Billy Graham that way? No, because he scripted something different because of his relationship with the Lord. You and I have to be careful because there is a tendency to be negative. There are certain situations in my life that I default to the negative. i got to be honest and tell you, that's where I'm at. And God, you got to change that. You've got to give me this ability to have continual praise on my mouth instead of continual pessimism on my mouth. Do we live in a pessimistic world? How many of you avoid the news sometimes just simply because you don't want to hear how pessimistic it is? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. I'm going to boast in the Lord. I I, I want to tell you what he did. Now, if you want to know what boasting is like, here's what it's like, okay? Yesterday, David went to a science competition with a car that we have been working on forever, and he took first place over 40 teams. Okay? See, that's easy to do. Why is it so hard to boast of the Lord? Why do we sometimes struggle? Someone says, What can you praise the Lord for today? And you want to go, Got nothing. (laughs) You know? My soul makes its boast in the Lord. You know, sometimes the reason that people don't want our God is because we don't seem to want Him either. God is calling us to boast in the Lord. The way that we magnify the Lord partially is with our words. We have to express them. That's why he went on to this invitation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. That's why worship is so great. Because worship isn't about us. It's not about all you getting together and singing a love song to my wife. That would be weird, wouldn't it? You know, if I stood up in front of you and said, okay, turn in your... um, turning your love song book to, to number 79 you know we're gonna sing my love song to nancy now together that would be weird wouldn't it but we have no problem even though the world thinks it's weird so what do you do well i go to church what do you do we all stand face the same direction and we sing a love song to someone who's not there that we can't see Let us exalt his name together. So the first part of magnifying is is that I want this year to be filled with expressions of how great and glorious and wonderful our God is. Expression is first. The second thing is explore. We've got to explore. You've got to our first core value is know. and, And that's knowing God. We've got to explore and know who God is. You can't have an idea about God. You can't have somebody else's idea about God. You've got to spend time in his word and you've got to know this. I sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. How would you how many of you would like to be delivered from fear and anxiety and panic? I sought the Lord. I got to know him. I explored him. A part of this year is going to be different ways that we're going to challenge each other to get to know God better. I I want us to come to the end of the year and be able to almost put in a list. These are some things I didn't really know very well about God, but boy, do I know them now. These are some things that I forgot about God. But He reminded me about Himself and I know them. And you know what? I live differently. Emotionally, I am in a different place. Do I? Because I know God. Yeah, the world's kind of crazy out there. Things are kind of nuts. But I know God. Psalm 46.10 says what? Be still and know that I am God. The whole chapters wrapped up in the chaos of life the first chaos in nature second of all chaos and nations but then it says there's a cure for that be still and know that i am god further on he says this taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who takes refuge in him you know um Nancy likes to try new recipes, and she tried this run recipe, and it was a Thai recipe. And it says, spicy Thai something. Now, the word spicy in different languages and in different groups of people means different things. And so Nancy didn't put all as much spice in as maybe she could have. And for that meal, it didn't taste right. You know why? Because it needed more spice to taste right. I'm not saying the first bite of God is always a great bite. But if you're willing to sit down and have meals with God, you're going to see how wonderful and how awesome He is. But occasionally, if you are picky eaters, and God says, come and taste and see that I'm good, and you're like, I'm sorry God, but I'm not a broccoli kind of Christian. I'm sorry God, but I'm more of a meat and potatoes kind of Christian. And God is laying out this new platter for your new year. And you have to decide not to be a picky eater because God is not only calling you to express, that's a part of magnifying, but a part of magnifying is exploring and getting to know who God is, feeling comfortable with him. Blessed is a man who takes refuge in the Lord. Uh, You know what? If your God is still little, he's hard to take refuge in. But if your God is getting bigger as you get to know him more and more, he's easier to take refuge in. Because you're beginning to understand the most important thing about God is that he really is in control and he's sovereign and he's not surprised by anything. We've said it before. We've read it in Scripture. Ephesians says how much is under his feet? Everything is under his feet. So the second thing we need to do is we need to explore. And then in the midst of that, we're going to experience. Okay? Mary (coughs) magnified God because of this experience she was having. Right? God picked her. God chose her. God was going to use her. There, There is something joyous and wonderful about being chosen and used by God. Those who look at Him are radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. There's something about experiencing God's glory that takes away shame. You know, you got a bunch of people all over the world that are trying to erase shame. Uh, I, I talked to a person before that had this situation in their life and so they were trying to pay somebody to scrub the internet so that it would never tell this truth about them ever again. And they said, but I keep Googling it and even though they hide it deeper and deeper, I can still find it. But when the glory of God enters into our lives and we understand the total forgiveness that comes from God, shame isn't there anymore. That's why we could sing the song Unashamed today. Because there's no shame left. So we experience glory. What else do we experience? We experience salvation. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. You know what? Do we get ourselves in trouble sometimes? Do we create some messes? Is it not amazing to watch how God can solve even messes? We'll experience salvation. Not only will we experience salvation, but we'll experience protection. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. You know, I've been in situations where I was just really afraid because I felt unprotected. But then I watched God do something amazing. He protected me. Have you ever wondered why you're delayed on a trip? Maybe it's because God's protecting you down the road. Have you ever wondered why circumstances change? You know? Uh, I I commented to Nancy the other day. I said, you know, sometimes we put together plans and then they just never come together. But when they finally come together, it's usually better than what we ever thought of at first. We have to believe that about God. God, you know, I thought this was going to be really cool and this is how you should work everything out. But you have a better plan. And I'm going to experience your better plan. And you're going to protect me in ways that I can't even imagine. We experience His provision. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. Are you learning like Paul talked about? I have become content in all things because God provides. You know, I was talking to Sandy yesterday about just some of the ways God even provides extra for me and lets me do things that are fun. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You know, in our maturity, we can get so caught up in the fact that somehow our happiness is going to be in having something like the young lion, right? But as we learn to seek the Lord, all of a sudden he provides for us in ways that we can't imagine. So we experience his provision. What else do we experience? Well, not only do we experience things, but... Magnifying is about practicing things, okay? Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may say good? And so he, he, asks, he says, I, I want to teach you about the practice of how you should live your lives. You know, magnifying the Lord comes partially from obedience. Do you think God would have chosen Mary if he didn't see the record of obedience in her young life? She was favored of God partially because of the, the type of life that she lived. And so now listen, he says, okay, we, we want to magnify the Lord together, but a part of that is the life that we practice and the obedience that we have in our lives. You know, occasionally have you ever met somebody and they tell you they go to church, but you've watched the actions of their life and you're going, well, that's not helping you at all. (laughs) Or someone says to me, you know, I'm a Christian too. And you're like, I I loved what one of our teenagers said once. This young man said to her, you you know, I'm a Christian too. And she looked at him and said, you have got to be kidding me. Why? Because she knew the practices of his life. She spent time with it. I, d- I don't want anybody to say that of me. Do you want people to say that of you? When, when, when it comes to your Christian life, they're watching you and, and they're going, you've got to be kidding me. I don't know why they're in church. It didn't rub off yet. You know, you know? So he goes on and he says, verse 13, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. You know, it's really interesting. I I like what one author said. He says, every room that we enter, we have the opportunity to enter into that room and to magnify God's glory and bring His glory into the room. Or, we bring darkness into the room. Wow. There's no middle ground, is there? Either we bring glory in, Or there's a lack of glory, which is darkness. And a part of that, a part of where we need to ask God to help us glorify Him and magnify Him is in our words, right? He says, I I want blessing to be of my words, not deceit and not lying. That takes the glory out of things. He goes on, he says, turn away from evil... And do good evil is an interesting word because you know i I think that we make it a real dark word in fact there's a new tv show out that i will not be watching called evil have you seen that one you know you just watch the ads for it and you're going bad show bad 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 you know evil at its simplest definition is things without god that's what it means a lack of god turn away from anything that lacks God, and do good. This is really a picture of repentance. I'm going to turn away from these things in my life that I know that aren't right, and I'm going to turn towards this. Think about this. Do you realize that before you were a Christian, you did not have the opportunity to do good? Because even when you were doing good, you were doing it for the wrong motives, right? So it wasn't good. That was was the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount that just probably was the mind-blowing thing. It's like when Jesus said, it's not enough to, to do the right thing, you have to think the right thing too. It's like, well, that's harder. God is calling us in our thinking to change, to do what God is calling us to do. See, a part of obedience is a life the part of being a life that magnifies God is living a life of obedience. You have to practice your faith. And 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 you got to trust God because obedience is about trusting God. Because over here I think I'm thinking I want to do this thing. And God's saying, I-, I want you to do something different. Well, can we vote on it? <laughs> it, it it's really trusting the Lord. And it says to seek peace and pursue it. So look at this, there's, there's like three levels to this. There's our words, there's our actions, and there's our relationships. Because seeking peace and pursuing it is about other people, isn't it? Is it easy to seek peace? Some of your personalities are all about peace. That in, in fact, you'll run away from any conflict because you just want peace. But then there's the others of you. <laughs> who just like being right. And and you're going to fight to the end, and seeking peace is not your goal. And yet, if we're going to magnify the Lord, we have to seek peace. Shalom, that's what He wants to give us to, to us. But we have to seek it and model it in our lives. So the practice is like that the eyes of the lords are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry but the faith of the lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth wow those are hard words god wants to i long to you know that was one of the things in luke several times jesus would would just speak to the crowd and he says, how I long to do this for you, but you would not have it. And at the bottom of, our, of each of our hearts is a rebelliousness that doesn't really want what God wants. We just want what we want. And we think that God is just giving suggestions. Thanks for the idea, but I think I'm going to do my own thing. And yet, a part of magnifying the Lord comes in the practice of our life and are willing to live a life that's obedience. Because we want the experiences. Here's another one of the experiences. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. God God is going to be there for us as we learn to magnify Him. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. God is with us in the aches and the pains of this world. Do you ever feel like you have an experience where you're just chugging along and just something happens in your life and it's like somebody just took a kidney shot at you and you're just going, (laughs) you know, I want to know that God's with me in that moment. In the hurt. And in, in the hard moments. In the bruised moments. But see, at that time, sometimes... When we are not trying to magnify the Lord, when we aren't seeking to know Him, and we're not seeking to experience Him, at those moments we're like, you know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, you know? And we buy into this lie. Are there times that we're going to be crushed? Yes. Are there times that we're going to be brokenhearted? Yes. But God wants to be near to us in those times. Um... We just jumped. Uh, Not only can we experience that, but there's other things that we can experience. We can experience help. We can experience His presence. We can experience His deliverance. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. He keeps all, you know... This next verse is interesting, but let's just look at the first one. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Here's something that I think that we have to realize, okay? First of all, this person, David is telling us that reality is is that life is going to be filled with affliction. Why are we so surprised by it all the time? I can't believe this bad thing's happening. You know? Instead of going, well, there's something bad happening. Let's see how God handles this one. You know? Boy, boy, there, well, boy, this is a pretty big one, God. It'll be interesting to see what you're going to do in this situation. Boy, do you have a problem. It, it, it's hard to believe that. And as he's speaking, all of a sudden he goes into prophecy in verse 20 and he says, he keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. Who's he speaking of there? You see, Jesus is the ultimate example of one who magnified the Lord. Did he have trouble? Was the spirit crushed? Was he brokenhearted? Was he afflicted? And yet there was a protection that God gave him even in the midst of that the prophecy said that not even a bone in his body would be broken which is kind of interesting because you know how usually they make sure somebody dies of crucifixion they break their legs but when they went to do that to speed up the death of jesus christ he had already died Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. Have you ever watched people that kind of hate righteousness? Yeah? Have you ever watched people you know? In another psalm, David puts it this way. They dig a pit for themselves and fall into it. Verse 22 says, though, The Lord redeems the life of His servants, and none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. We will experience redemption and approval. So, what does it mean to magnify the Lord? First of all, magnifying is something we express. Seven of all, magnifying is something we explore. Magnifying is something we practice. And we practice it in several places, don't we? We practice it in our relationships. We practice it with our mouth. And we practice it with our lives. But the last thing is the greatest thing. Because the last thing is what we get to experience. Think of the list of all the different things that we talked about that you can experience together. So our theme for the year, our goal for this year, is that we would be people that together would magnify the Lord by expressing it, exploring it, practicing it, and experiencing it. Let's pray together. There is one prerequisite to magnifying the Lord, and that's that He has to be our Savior. We have to be His children. And so, on this first Sunday of the year, I implore those of you who have never started a relationship with God, that you would accept the reality that Jesus Christ wants to be your Savior, so that the sin that separates you and God can be erased by His salvation and His substitutionary death on the cross, so that you can be in relationship with God. He wants to do that for you today. But he is a gentleman. And so he has never forced himself on you, but he has has wooed you and wanted to have that relationship with you. Will you say yes to him today? Will you begin a relationship with the living God today? And then for the rest of us, what do we need to be doing right now to magnify the Lord? What are some adjustments that we need to make in our lives? What are some things that He would love for us to experience, but we have decided that He's too small to do that, so it's not going to happen? Deliverance, protection, provision, peace, salvation, redemption. What is the first thing that you need to do this year to have a life that magnifies the Lord? Dear God, I pray for those who have not come into belief yet. That heaven asked you to be their savior and I pray that this would be the day that they would make that change in their lives. <laughs> and for the rest of us, I pray that you would increase our ability to magnify you. May our souls magnify you and may we magnify you together. God, for some of us, it's in our language and we need to speak more openly about our God. For others of us, it's taking a different look at our experiences and Realizing that you want to meet us and be the sovereign God of our experiences. For some of us, we need to make changes in our practice. And God, lastly, we just need to do the one thing that you're asking of us right now. Help us to turn from our sin to a living God that can deliver us and take good care of us. We pray this in Your name. Amen. All of these things can take place because of this. All of this is because this is the greatest meal for this period of time. In Jewish history, the greatest meal was the Passover